Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, Episode 44. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host today. And today we have a it's, – it's just a real pleasure to have this owner, guest, author, and athlete with us today. I've got Corbett Miller on the line. Now, he's the owner of Miller Marshall Arts Academy, and it's in Kirkland, Washington. But Corbett is not just a business owner. He's also an accomplished martial arts athlete. Now, one of the interesting things about Corbett is that he has just written and released a book called Demythify, Finding Freedom in Your Small Business, which I know is probably the goal of everyone that ever started a small business was to find freedom in it. So I know this topic hits home with so many small business owners. So Corbett's going to share some of his best advice for putting systems in place to help run your business instead of letting your business run you. So Corbett, thanks for joining the podcast today. We are so thrilled to have you here. Thanks, Christy. I'm excited to uh, speak with your listeners as well. It's going to be a, a great, uh, great time we have together. Excellent. Well, I've given just a little bit of a snippet of information about you, and it's just really about what's going on currently, but I know there's a lot of history behind where you are today. So can you kind of start by giving us a little bit of background, a little bit of the story of you, so to speak? Sure. Um, I, I'm a, uh, originally from Monroe, Michigan, and I live in uh, Seattle, Washington now. I, I have a martial arts school that I've had for the last 18 years. And uh, originally, when I was back in Michigan, I was, uh, I was I went to college at Skinner Heights College back in Southeast Lower Michigan, and I was recruited to uh, help run one of uh, Bruce Lee actually one of Bruce Lee's students' schools in uh, 1993 uh, out here oh, in Seattle. Wow. I fell in love with the area, I fell in love with my beautiful wife at that time, and then uh, um, you know stayed here for. Um, you know, starting my own business and getting that going. And, you know, um, the thing about it, too, is that when I started my business, it was something where I, I really wanted to, to make sure that I uh, continued to enjoy Because, again, I, I have a business. You know, it's, it's kind of ironic right. that uh, I have a business where you run around in your pajamas and have fun for a living. <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of knew of instructors that they would let the business kind of morph into this thing that, you know, it became something where they were um, not so much satisfied with their business, but it was they were always chasing this this um, this myth of success. And what mm-hmm. um, I was really good about, and my my mother-in-law who helped me with our, our business plan, we always talked about ecology. So my mother-in-law was a very special person in uh, in my life, in that she was not just a uh, um, she was a Jungian psychologist, but she was also oh. a, a CPA, a really neat uh, mix <sighs> of things. So when we were sitting together, putting this business plan together, we were having some really great conversations about, you know, the ecology and of, of what a business should be and how it should contribute to your life and then how you don't want it to become this, you know, untamable dragon that just, you know, is your, yes. you know, on this hamster wheel. So um, even back then, we were, uh, we were really good about trying to create systems and, you know, think about where we wanted the business to be. And fast forward 18 years. From that time, uh, we have about 250 students who train with us every every week. Um, wow. But in addition to that, I also have a, a, a business with my wife. We're a rare horse breeder here in, in uh, the foothills out in Oh, okay. And we wow. also are real estate investors. So we have these three different businesses going. And, um, you know, so creating systems for our business was really important because, you know, just spinning all these plates that uh, you do when you have a small business I didn't want it to be something that was all-consuming, and I wanted it to be something right. that, you know, I could really feel like I had control and I could really delegate to my employees. And, um, you know, even, you know, I think, too, nowadays it's, it's – I don't think there's ever been a time where, you know, there's, there's really simple tools online using, like, the Google Drive yes. that can help yes. you to really kind of codify your systems and make them something that you can make it very explicit for your, your employees what you want them to be doing. And it's really kind of neat to kind of see how that's kind of – uh, came full circle, and I've been able to kind of do that with uh, the businesses that we have. So that's- excellent. Well, it, I, I know it's um, it's one of those things where if you had not 
gotten your your main business to the point of kind of I don't want to say running itself because it's, that's a, the myth to it doesn't run itself, but right. at least where you could step away some, you wouldn't even be able to consider any other you know interest. I mean, and that's where most a lot of business owners are. They, their whole life is sucked up into the vortex of their main business. So I know we're going to want to hear some of your tips on how you get out of that because sure. I know you've got them. So now when you started your business, clearly. Uh, the name of it's Miller's Martial Arts. Right. I'm assuming you started it uh, out from scratch. Um, tell us about uh, kind of the early days and how you started it and how you how it's evolved over the years. At the time that I was uh, I came out here in in Seattle, I was working for this very prominent martial arts uh, instructor, and I decided to strike out on my own. Um, but it was funny because I I don't know if just this is me or it might just be with other people or it might just feel this way to me. But it seems like everything just happens all at once in my life. So <laughs> over the course of one month in 1995, I got married. Uh, my wife and I bought our first house. Oh, we dear. got pregnant. Oh, no. And then we decided that we weren't going to purchase that business that we had, um, that we were going to be um, working with. And we started our, our own school. So it was this huge, just like wave wow. hitting us of, of all these things. and. And it was a challenge. I actually considered, um, I actually considered going to work for a very large technology company that's really close mm. to where our school is yeah. at with my business degree. And you know, um, my my in-laws were are, were beautiful people. They helped us in so many ways. And um, my mother-in-law helping with the business plan. But my father-in-law was uh, he was also a, a really neat neat gentleman. And he was uh, we were talking about you know the potential of of me going to work for this company versus starting my own school. And, you know, we had this conversation. He's, he says, you know, you need to follow your bliss. You need to do what you're, you're, you, sh- you should do in this life. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to um, seed you some money, and we're gonna, um, I'm going to show you how to be able to raise some money um, with, you know, your, your circle of influence, and we're going to help you to get this school going. And uh, it was a total shoestring startup. I started with four mats at my school. I had a flood happen the first week we were open, and – um, so it's not always been rainbows and unicorns for us, but uh, I, I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs' origin stories are sort of like that. You know, I think it's uh, there's there's so many lessons that you know for me. I mean, I look through everything in my life through the lens of martial arts, and you know, um, learning is not linear, and it's something that mm. you know the the, you know, the lessons that you learn as a result of the trials and tribulations that I'm sure a lot of your listeners have gone through. They just assist you, and they give you a reference for uh, as you go forward. So, um, and then I just slowly built my enrollment. I, I, I was a student of the industry. I, I attended seminars, and I was always looking at ways of of growing my school from the inside out, being very community oriented. I mean, mm-hmm. we still teach, um, you know, hundreds if not thousands of students uh, throughout the year in the schools as a way of just kind of getting our, our name out there and kind of oh. talking to kids about, you know, self-esteem and bully-proofing mm-hmm. skills and respect and empathy and grit, all these great life lessons that I think martial arts can bring to students' lives. But at the same time, it's something where we want to be a service to the community. And I think, you know, um, putting service first and really kind of looking at, you know, um, profit second, I think can be something that can be very helpful, especially when you're starting a new enterprise and really trying to make a name for yourself. And that's really what we did. Yeah, you know, and it's funny when you started talking about, you know, the 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 beginning whenever you just started biting off these big huge life decisions yeah. one at a time. You know, I, for some reason it just seems like whatever the characteristics of you put them all together and said these are the profile of an entrepreneur, most of the time there is that fearlessness of just, you know what, take action and do it. And right. so and you see that with those not being afraid to jump into all those and not just saying, well, let me get one first and let me get it under control and then I'll do that. You just know in some ways you work better under pressure and just throw it at you and let you sink or swim and learn your lessons that way. And, so, And, and that, that is like, you know, that's the entrepreneurial lifestyle. I mean, is, is that it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, falling forward. You know, I mean, yes, um, there's, yes. there's going to be challenges and you have to welcome them and, and it's something that, um, you know, it's, it takes some grit. It takes, you know, some intestinal fortitude to be able to, yes. for, to do those things. And, um, you know, and there's, you know, along the way, there's going to be some luck that goes your way and there's going to be some challenges. But, again, I think it's, it's a metaphor for life even. I think just personally we Absolutely. face those same things. And I think if we can look at it in a broader perspective, I think it really helps us. Absolutely. So when you were getting your business off the ground, and, you know, we're all about 
local business here and, and uh, businesses that do what you do and kind of support the local community and form that fabric of the community that makes it so um, rich and a great place to live for people. And I know up in the Seattle area and even, um, you know, Portland, Oregon, and there's just so many really um, great hubs for local businesses sure. in the Pacific Northwest. But what community resources did you find were the biggest help as you tried to get your business off the ground and get your, um, you know, kind of get it running and get it to the point where it could actually pay you and sustain you? Sure. Uh, you know, for us, I mean, this was, you know, 18 years ago, I think we uh, actually did a sit down with the uh, um, the SCORE people at the Small Business mm-hmm. Administration. Uh-huh. We had some, okay. a, a mentorship scheduled with them, and that was, that was helpful. And, uh, again, I think there's – I think we have to be, you know, um, I think, especially now, I think there's – so many ways of, of networking with, with businesses. And, and, and in our industry, there's, there were actually a lot of resources, um, not so much locally, but I guess within our local, you know, sphere of influence mm-hmm. that we could kind of uh, speak to. But again, I, I think it's, it's really just looking for opportunities in terms of where you can position your voice to reach people. And again, adding value first. I, I think that's, you know, um, I think people... I, it, you know, especially here in the Seattle area, they're, they're pretty sensitive about being sold. So I, mm-hmm. I think yeah. you know, being able to, like, you know, really provide a, a service that people will want and then being able to find a venue where you can present what you have to offer but then be able to, you know, have, have like a, a stealth approach, if you will, to, you know, selling right. your goods or, or product, I think it would be really helpful. But, yeah, I think that's that's been our biggest thing is really just, you know, with our community um, – uh, our parks and rec department program that we've done, being able to reach out in terms of being able to show what we do with young people mm-hmm. or with our adults. I think that's really been one of the best ways that we've found to be able to kind of, uh, and again, just kind of keep your, your um, eyes and ears open. I remember uh, I have a longstanding relationship with our, our parks department here in, in Kirkland. And uh-huh. I remember the, it wasn't through some like, you know, cold calling that I, I stumbled upon this relationship, but you know, back, you know, 15 years ago or so, <clears throat> there was that uh, infomercial for Tybo. So that, that oh, was the cry. Yeah. Everyone was Billy Blanks, <laughs> wanted to be Billy Blanks. Tybo, yeah. So, yeah. So I remember I was with my, my, um, my oldest daughter, who's now 17. I was watching her during the day so my wife could work for a mortgage company during the, uh, during the day, and then I would go teach mm-hmm. at night. And I was, we had the, uh, the cable television on, and they had the local community access um, um, crawler up and it said literally wanted Tybo instructor and it gave wow. the phone number to the parks and rec department so I called up Linda who was my contact there and I said hey I'm your guy and I got together with her showed her what we did and now we have this you know great long-standing relationship with our parks department that's been a great resource wow. for us over all those years so I think it's just kind of like keeping your eyes and ears open and really mm-hmm. kind of thinking about how you can serve first I think is really one of the best ways of, of especially, because I think too, uh, especially a, a brick and mortar, people, you know, they, they want the, the newer, bigger, better thing. And yeah. like social media is this buzzword. The original social media <laughs> is getting out in the community, the community. And, and like exactly. talking to people and like telling them what you do and like, you know, being enthusiastic and passionate about what, what you're doing. And I think that's, you know, that's really what especially small brick-and-mortar business owners really need to be able to do because, you know, having a Facebook page and all – I have that. I mean, I just was updating right. it this morning. But I think it's also like being aware of, you know, it's, it's really about people-to-people. Uh, people. We don't have huge ad budgets and we don't have, you know, mm-hmm. the resources that a lot of other, you know, large businesses sure. do. So we have to be able to be our own, you know, PR firm, our own marketing wing and, you know, be out there in the community and be active. And, you know, I can't um, help reemphasize what you were saying um, about the adding value first before you ever ask for your first dollar. You know, that's so hard to do, especially whenever, you know, you're a small business owner. Um, Maybe you've even just just put everything you had into getting your business up and running and open. I know. And now you need money to start coming right. in. <laughs> so it's just so counterintuitive to look and I mean, instead of looking at where can I sell my services to look for where are places in the community that I can add value. And right. but but it works and the businesses that I have seen just through the course of, you know, doing this podcast interviews are the the businesses that have the longevity 
are those businesses that are adding value and saying, you know what, I know that if I follow this path far enough down the road that behind it will be the profits and the money coming in. And you have to believe that and just keep heading in that direction and providing the value and knowing it will come back in the end. So it's it's just you can't do it any other way and have a successful business well, that really impacts the community. Well, I think especially, you know, to, to use a buzzword, is sustainability. I mean, you know, yes. you have to do that. It's like you, you can't, you know, burn bridges and – I mean, good news travels fast in the uh, Internet age, and bad mm-hmm. news travels at the speed of Yelp. So <laughs> if, if you burn bridges, you know, it's going to come yeah. back to you really quickly. And, and, again, I mean, you want that reputation. I mean, building that reputation rock solid in your community, I think, just pays dividends, you know, over and over again. Well, and, you know, it's it's hard to undo in this Internet age. It's hard to undo some really bad publicity or bad PR, bad sure. reviews, that sort of thing. And and that's, you know, another thing that I think so many, um, you know, so many business owners don't realize sometimes that maybe it's their employees that are causing some bad business reviews or bad, you know, ratings on those social media things. And it's, it's all a reflection of you and it's going to impact your bottom line. So it all comes back, the buck stops with the business owner with that kind of thing. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's hard. It's it's a hard tightrope to walk right now because you don't want to be held hostage by your customers. But at the same time, you really don't have a choice but to provide every opportunity for interaction with your customer as a great customer service opportunity. Sure. So now, when you started your business, you were talking about how your wife would work during the day at one right. place, and you taught the classes and and that sort of thing at night. Did you have any fears uh, or was there a big fear you had to get over whenever you you, – because you essentially left a steady gig doing the same thing for somebody else and saying, you know what, no, I don't want to buy your business. I would rather start from scratch at nothing and do this on my own. Well, it's a total total leap of faith. I mean it was something too (laughs) that like – I mean when – when we did that, I mean, it, it was something that was just, it was, you know, sleepless nights. I mean, it was something yeah. that, you know, we had all these things going on. And, I mean, I look back at it now and I'm like, gosh, I mean, would I do that again? And yeah. and, 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 and I would have, um, knowing, uh-huh. knowing what I know now. But, I mean, yes. it's, it's something that, you know, in, when you're in that moment and, you know, again, you're dealing with those pressures. I mean, you know, it all sounds good to, like, say value first. But then when you're looking at the, the negative balance in your checking account and you're, yeah. you're, your in-laws that support your business are buying you groceries. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, that's a, um, not a real proud moment. Well, there. But, yeah. but at the same time, you know, it's like after that, it's like my, my in-laws never paid for another meal. When we went out for dinner up until their, their, um, their last breath, it was we paid for everything. And it was something that, you know, when someone has that oh. belief in you, it's like you've, you, you, you owe those people in many ways. Absolutely. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I remember – you know, again, it's it's like you know, I'm an avid reader. I I love books, and I remember when I was uh, when I was first starting my business. I remember I still have this book. I actually have like worn the uh, the binding out. <laughs> um, I was in this bookstore on Greenwood Avenue in Seattle, and I I saw this book, Think and Grow Rich. And you know, every entrepreneur yeah. has read that mm-hmm. book, and I'm like, I haven't mm-hmm. read this book, so I'm gonna get it. It was right during that time when that wave was hitting me, if everything was going wrong, and I actually had an investor who was going to invest in the school backed out on me and I was like totally stressed out. You know, we were like just, you know, struggling to make ends meet. And I remember picking up this book and it, the, the Think and Grow Rich book and it was a used book. It was a used bookstore. And inside mm-hmm. the book, it had a four leaf clover um, inside the book is a bookmark. I think it wow. was, it was uh, one of the chapters about faith. And I remember huh. just going to sleep at night, just saying, you know, just talk, talking to myself through the, those chapters in terms of what I, I was learning. And that was one of the things that got me through that was just, you know, really trying to, to like future pace myself in terms of where mm-hmm. I wanted to be. And uh, it took a lot of faith and it took a lot of work on my wife's part. My, you know, um, my wife, Elise, is we're, you know, I married well in so many different ways, but uh, um, she, we have this great division of labor. And even back then, it's like I'm, I was the marketing wing and I was the front person for the school and she's, She's been the QuickBooks person. I mean, if I want to know yeah. how many T-shirts we sold on, you know, February the 19th of 2002, she can tell me. Wow. Um, she's just got this great knack for that. And, you know, um, opposites balance out one another, and we've done a great job with that. And uh, we're, we're a great team on many levels. And 
I think that's, um, you know, we've been lucky. I mean, yeah. um, because I think sometimes, too, it's like, you know, when we first started our school, she was really involved in, like, the day-to-day operation at the school. And it was something where, you know, we would butt heads about decisions. She's actually more, mm-hmm. like, in the background now. But, I mean, background in terms of backbone. I mean, yeah. she's, she's <laughs> the spine of the business. She is, like, you know, she is the, you know, we always, we have a very, we have a, a you know, we live on a farm. So it's like uh-huh. my wife will drive the tractor and, you know, do mechanic work and, you know, I'll do the dishes. <laughs> we have this very like, you know, we don't have traditional roles, but, but, but uh, we do have traditional roles when it comes to, I go out and hunt and then mm-hmm. she fixes up what I bring home. Right. That's, yeah. that's kind of like our relationship with the business. I mean, she's great at that and she doesn't tell me how to hunt and I don't tell her how to cook it. So it's yeah, like she's yeah. great at being able to monitor those books. She's got us through like an audit with flying colors. You know? Awesome. So, I mean, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think, you know, that's part of like that growth process is that mm-hmm. yeah, there is going to be fear and you have to be able to have a vision that's going to carry you through that. And that's sort of like what my book's about is that, you know, there is a myth uh, about being successful in small business and that it's, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I only get to this certain level. Well, if you right. if you get to that certain level – um, you're going to be stressed out, and you know it might not be exactly what you want to be, quote unquote, successful. But all these other things fall apart behind you. And right. I, I'm not. I'm proud of my business, but I'm more proud that my marriage is intact after 18 years yes. of being an entrepreneur. Yes, absolutely. And I have three beautiful daughters who are healthy and who are doing great things and are, are really forward looking. And that's, um, you know, again, it's and it's not always rainbows and unicorns on any of those levels. Yes. But uh-huh. it, it is something that, you know, I think uh, I think there's something to be said about really creating this vision of what you want the business to be like and really chasing that vision, not just chasing the money or chasing the, right. the you know, the quote-unquote success. Well, and, you know, Corbett, I think one of the things that you said it, that was really critical is because, you know, every entrepreneur, every small business owner has those sleepless nights. And, boy, your mind will go crazy. It takes you to the worst-case scenario. It takes you to destruction and calamity and every terrible thing that can happen. But what you said is, I found this book. And I was able to focus on the faith part of it and looking forward. And and I think it is very important, not just in business, but even in life in general, to really get control of your mind and not let those crazy negative things control you in, to such a point that you either become paralyzed or you, you can't you can't even see forward, you know. And so there's so many resources for entrepreneurs out there with books and, and other things. And even just maybe maybe you need to get together with a, a successful business owner that's a friend and have a cup of coffee and let them encourage you. But don't give yourself over or your mind over to all that sleepless night stress and negative uh, things that are going on in your head. Exactly, yeah. And, and, you know, again, I think it's it's really about um, you feeling comfortable in your own skin. Because, again, you, that's I, when people talk about leadership, I think that's – in a small business, I mean, you, you are the front person. You are the face of your business. You are the reputation of your business. And you have to feel comfortable with, with what you're doing to such an extent. And, right. and I, people – they don't – some people don't like this. But, I mean, I, I listen to what people say about how our school has changed their lives – and I nod mm. my head and I say, yes, that's great. And I, I thank them for it. But I don't really believe them. <laughs> because <laughs> if, if I believe them, then I have to believe the other people that, that don't feel that way, that, that don't exactly like our business, that don't gotcha. think what we're doing is, is worthwhile or just dismiss us. So I think you have to have this internal locus, this, this control and this identity that you can be the leader in the business and know what you're doing is right for your tastes and your beliefs and mm-hmm. that that will get a lot of you to sleep better at night because if, yes. if your mind races to either of those extremes that you're either uh, a saint or satan you're you're yeah. it, it's it's this you know roller coaster ride of emotions and you have to know Absolutely. this is what I'm doing this is what I feel comfortable in and this is what I'm I'm willing to to lay my reputation about Absolutely. That's definitely great advice for anyone, not just not just a business owner, but everybody faces some craziness, you know, right. in their lives. So that's great. Uh great input there. Now, let me ask you this. We've talked about um some successes and that sort of thing that you've had and 
how you've been able to grow your business over the last 18 years, but is there one particular failure or a point at which you had a really um, difficult obstacle in your way as you were growing your business that you learned a lesson from that you could actually share with another um, entrepreneur that would be uh, helpful for them? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think in in our industry, in, in the, uh, I think scale in any business, I don't care if it's our horse business, I don't care if it's in real estate, I don't care if it's mm. in, there's always this, I, I think, you know, there's this great book by an author named Simon Sinek, and he talks yes. about um, how, you know, the agrarian economy was really created because we had a problem with scale. We had a problem with growing more more crops for the town. So it, uh-huh. it, when we start to scale up any business, you can really, the, the, there's problems with it. There's an ecology problem. And sure. whether it's the Peter Principle where you rise to a certain level of incompetence and stay there, or it's it's just, uh, for us, I remember, um, and this was this was actually a, a small failure, but it was still a, it was a great example. It was actually an outgrowth of why I, I, I really started to delve in deeper into systems in my business. We were really doing well. We've been at the same level of students for the last you know twelve years, two hundred fifty students mm-hmm. level and straight. I don't want it to be more. I don't want it to be less. We're good to go right there. So, um, but about ten years ago or so, I decided that hey, there's this um, other space down like two suites down from us okay. but, but it wasn't connected that was uh-huh. that was the interesting part so i was <laughs> like oh what, what i'll do is i'll just um open up that little space down there and what i'll do is i'll you know increase my student count by x amount i'll make more money i'll give my staff opportunities and what happened was was uh we started this this other room to have more students but, it, you know, again, it was, it's my fault. I wasn't ready as a manager to take on the role of leading mm. and managing those people. And it eventually we closed down that side, lost several thousand dollars. But mm-hmm. it, it was actually a great lesson for me because, you know, even though that the, the, the second room was only like literally 200 yards from our front door, it mm-hmm. may as well have been 20 miles away. Really? Yeah, the disconnect it was a disconnect. There, there were days where I would never walk into the door of the second room. And and wow. and un, unfortunately there were things that were going on there that things were getting done and it wasn't mm-hmm. being cleaned the right way. It was you know, the student counts were down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So we just cut it off. But the lesson behind that for me was that I don't want to have a second school. <laughs> um, ah. because you know, whether it was twenty yards away or twenty miles away, I think I was dealing with the same amount of frustration. Right. So it's like I would rather go in a different direction with a different business than to start to try to scale that up. In, in, Interesting. In, in, okay. in our in our business, I don't really break boards, but I mean it's the analogy that people use in our business is that mm-hmm. having one school is breaking one bo- is like breaking one board. Having two schools is like breaking five. Oh wow! But not breaking two. <laughs> so, um, it's it's not two times as difficult. It's at least five times more difficult. So that was just very instructive for me. But again, you know, I think it's how you frame it. I think you're you have to welcome those obstacles, and you know, sometimes obstacles equals money, and uh, they're they're going to be those things that come up. And the the money that you spent is actually a really good lesson that you've learned. So yeah. um, you know, experience is the best teacher. And if we can get our heads around those lessons, I think you're better off as a a small business owner that's you know going to be able to uh, you know sustainably keep your business going for that long haul. Well, that is a great lesson. I mean, and and the fact that you were able to learn it kind of on a smaller scale rather than going full bore into a second location or something like that, you know, probably, yeah, yeah, it minimized the damage, I would say, and a little bit, not that it got you completely off the hook, but still, what a, what a good lesson to know that, wait a minute, if I, if I need another challenge, let's head in a different direction with a different business, so. Right. Now, tell us about what you feel like is your greatest business accomplishment. Gosh, you know, it's, it's really, you know, for me, you know, um, I was telling a little bit about my background and how that I was a, um, I'm a, I'm a second-generation student of the very famous martial artist Bruce Lee. And, mm-hmm. and Bruce Lee uh, wrote a book it's, uh, um, called the, the First Book He Ever Wrote. Bruce Lee was an amazing person, not just because he made those really bad movies back in the, in the 70s, but he was really a, 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 really a um, forward-thinking martial artist. He was really you know, um, talking about cross-training and really putting people out of styles. In fact, the first book that he wrote was this book called The Philosophical Art of Self-Defense. 
and a really oh. deep story about that is this is before he was a name person in Hollywood or anything like that. But he was hanging around with two of the people that, that I knew, one of my instructors. In fact, the person I lived with that I was recruited out of college with to run his school over in North Seattle, uh, his name is James DeMille, a super important mentor to me, someone that has made a huge difference in my life. Um, but um, Bruce Lee, they were at a party back in like 1959, and Bruce Lee was always thinking out these great big ideas. And he said, you know, in order to be famous, you need to write a book. So tomorrow morning, we're going to create this book called The Philosophical Art of Self-Defense. And oh we're going to shoot it in the back uh, parking lot of Ruby Chow's restaurant. So they literally, you can see these pictures. On, they probably took like a brownie camera of like, yeah. they, they had, like you can see the, the, the parking stripes on the ground where they shot these really horrible pictures. But, it, but to bring that back around, the, the biggest victory I have in my business is when I can impart the philosophy of martial arts in someone. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years down the road, I get a, a call from one of my students who, you know, stood up in a philosophy class at Santa Clara University when they were talking about, does anyone have a philosophy they were exposed to when they were a young person? And this gentleman stands up and says, yes, I learned how to set goals at my martial arts school. And this is the way that wow. we did it. And he stood up and he had his little, like, like little chant we do where it's decide what you uh-huh. want, have a plan, take consistent action, review your goals, renew your commitment. When I hear about ah. that, the kicking and punching doesn't mean anything to me. What, what, right. what matters is that I'm making someone's life better through my business. And it's kind of easy to see that in a straight line with martial mm-hmm. arts. But I think every business owner has that opportunity to really, if you look at it in the most broadest context, you can change someone's life. And being able to find that higher purpose in what you're doing Mm-hmm. gives you the strength to create that identity that you need, to create the leadership culture that allows you to do what you want to do and, and to really yeah. feel like you're impacting someone's life. And that's, to me, you know, um, that's, that's the greatest victory I have is the longevity of my students, seeing them do great things as, as they progress and grow up to be adults. But there's also a part of me that really likes to see gold medals, too. But that's a whole other yeah. story. So, um, yeah, so. Like the shiny thing. Hey, you know, I it, don't that's, blame that's part you. of it. And, and again, the philosophy is one part of it. But, you know, Bruce Lee was a real martial artist, and we try to really make sure that we practice really good martial arts. And, you know, my students will go to tournaments. I still compete. Um, you know, so it's something that I, I want to make sure that, um, you know, it's, it's something that we dovetail those two things together in our school. And I think that's very powerful, for, especially for young people. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this, because you were talking about the longevity of your students and that sort of thing, but I also know, just from doing my research on your business, that you um, have been able to do something that a lot of business owners have not yet um, had the the pleasure of, of having um, really high longevity with your employees. And right. I know that on your website, you've got some people that have been there, um, you know, 13 years and 15 years and, um, you know, that sort of thing. And what do you feel like the secret is to either, number one, finding those right people and number two, keeping them long-term, doing, you know, the same, I mean, I, let's just face it, it's not like, that. you know, you're running a hundred or, or you know, thousand person corporation where there's a lot of upward mobility for these people, but what what is it that has been able to capture them and make them bought into your mission for this long? Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, um, all my staff are still practicing martial artists. And I think it's, it's really a conversation about hygiene. I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, they do great work. But I think it's also, they, we, I'm very flexible about hours. I'm very flexible about time off. I'm very flexible mm. about, um, you know, they're still training with me. They're still active students of mine. So we have this relationship okay. outside of employee-employer where they're, mm-hmm. they're students. So I think it, it kind of lends itself to longevity. Um, I, 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 I don't know what the secret sauce is. I, I'm very lucky. When I tell people I've had a program manager, the longevity of a program manager in a martial arts school is like two years, yeah. four years. <laughs> yeah, um, not and, Sherry's long, been with right? me like 12 years. Chris has been... Chris, who is one of my main instructors, has been a student of mine since he was 12 years old. He's 32 now. So, um, you know, we have this long-term relationship. But, you know, we do things together. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and it's something that, you know, um, I think – but I think, too, it's it's finding the right person and getting them into that slot. You know, I, I mm-hmm. think so much of it is that um, – I was just listening to this this uh, um, this interview. I wasn't in a TED Talk, but 
it was about an, an employer, an employer that was really trying to like groom someone to take over his business. And the, the point was that, you know, he wanted, he wanted that outcome more than the employee wanted the outcome. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and I think you have to be able to sit back. And that was like an epiphany for me because you have to find the right person for that job. And sometimes they might think they're the right person for the job, but they're not really. And you have to, mm-hmm. again, be the leader in that business because you're the face of it so that you can sure. make sure that you're making the right decision for what's going on. And I think that's, you know, for me, it's like, again, them being students of mine, because, again, the martial arts that we teach, it's, you know, I think uh, Da Vinci said that art is never finished. And in martial arts, it's 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 always you're always learning. You know, mastery is a path, not a place. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's something that we're always learning and growing together. So um, I think that's a part of it as well is that they see me updating my skills. So it's this culture of of growing sure. and improving. But uh, well, and I th- I think one of the the cool things about your industry is that you do have that. Um, teacher-student relationship with people. I mean, if people are come to you as students and then they grow in that path and suddenly they become employees, um, they're still used to you teaching them. So even though it's it's maybe you're teaching them management skills or maybe you're teaching them business skills, they're used to doing that. They're used to looking to you in that role as the leader. And I think that that structure is not so well laid out in a lot of small businesses where, you know, an owner might want somebody to come in uh, and do a job that they, they don't really know how to train them to do it and they don't really want to spend the time to do it. They kind of want them to already come in and know what to do so they don't have to do a lot of, you know, do a lot, waste a lot of time showing them how to do it and all this. And then they wonder why they fail, you right. know, and yeah, it, it doesn't it, happen. And I think it is. It's, it's, um, you know, it is the role that you have, and yeah. again, I, I think it's. Uh, um, but again, I think it's also that you know you're you're also showing that you're growing and learning. I think there's you know, especially in martial arts, there's kind of a hubris that goes along with like a lot of uh, of the the underpinnings, and mm-hmm. you know that's not what we're enrolled in at all. We're on, we're into growing and learning, and I think that's something that we really try to 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 show our students, but also lead by example as well with what we're yeah. doing. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a great thing, and I think you know that that is, I think a, something that a lot of businesses could learn from and borrow that borrow that kind of innate structure there in any way to adapt it to their industry, and it would be definitely a benefit for everyone involved. Sure. Now, um, Corbett, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book because. Um, the book, like I say, hits a hot button with a lot of small business owners. The book, the title of the book is Demythify, Finding Freedom in Your Small Business. And most people, no matter how grateful they are to be a small business owner, probably have felt the uh, shackles and bondage of the small business more than they have felt the freedom. And so I wanted you to kind of give us a little bit of overview of uh how somebody could find freedom in their small business and the best way to go about that. Well, you know, um, I don't know if I even said this before, but um, we run around in our pajamas for a living. I I have Mm -hmm. fun for a living, and I have (laughs) friends that wake up and absolutely hate their business. Um, So even though this is like a a, a fun gig and it's like, you know, it's a passion people have, if you don't, if you're not very careful, I think in any business, whether it be a, a business where you're having fun or you're providing a service that's like, you know, much more serious. I mean, I think it's something that you can, it can morph into something very quickly that you will, you will be a slave to it. And I think it's by design that you have to think about the, the freedom end game and how you can be able to, you know, use that. Because uh, again, I, I think that is the default is that it can consume you because we we have this as if, you know, um, if, if our, if I only had mentality, right. if I only had, you know, X amount of sales, well, when you're that busy, you're going to be, you know, more stressed out. Well, right. if I only had, uh, another employee, well, if you have another employee, you're managing somebody. So that's, right. that's another job and you have to do that job well. So, um, it's something where you have to really lay out in a clear cut manner, what you're wanting from the business. And then I think it's, it's, um, because the, the book, the book is really an outgrowth of some of my friends saying, seeing what I'm doing and then really looking at some of the tech behind it and saying, gosh, you need to share that with people because it's uh, a different paradigm. Because, you mm-hmm. know, again, it's the, the idea of systems. You know, you need to create right. systems in your business. Well, 
first off, people you know hear that word and their eyes almost gloss over because they, <laughs> they don't want systems. That sounds like work. They want freedom, yes. which sounds like fun. But uh-huh. in order to get to the freedom, you have to create the systems, and mm-hmm. that is work. So I think it's it's really this conversation around a cam, and like a camshaft mm-hmm. in a, a, a car, a, right. a cam translates rotational movement a la us spinning our wheels into straight line movement, which is like us getting a direction in our business. But CAM really stands for create, assign, and manage. Mm. And I think a lot of small business owners, they're like, oh, I need to create a system. Boom, I create a system. Now what? Well, you've only got the C, <laughs> but you didn't do the AM. Yeah. So uh. I think it's, it's really about creating a system, assigning it to someone correctly, and then managing mm-hmm. it. And, you know, we, we talked about, I think you said, you know, you alluded to the idea that the business runs itself. Well, that's, that's a, a myth. It is a myth. Mm-hmm. The business mm-hmm. doesn't run itself. I, you know, if you go the most uh, franchised, most, you know, process-driven, you know, large businesses like, you know, hamburger chains or whatever, mm-hmm. they have checklists for everything, how sure, to take out yeah. the garbage. And they have <laughs> yeah. to have someone who minds the checklist. They're called yeah. a manager. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, even though that these businesses are highly replicable and they can, like, you know, scale up all over the world, they still have to have people that check the checklist. They have checkers. Absolutely. So, but what's neat is that I don't think there's ever been a time, I know, at least in my, my uh, business life, because I've done this before. I, you know, I've been mm-hmm. doing this for 18 years, so I created a systems manual. I created a checklist. I created how I wanted the system done on a VHS tape. Right. That's how old I've been uh-huh. doing. I've doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but see, nowadays it's like you can create on Google Drive a form, which inside that form has you showing them exactly what you want the the, the system to look like, and it could be on a computer or in real time. Then mm-hmm. you, what's neat about that is then you can assign it to somebody. You can give it to them in an email. You can assign it in a folder for them. Then you can manage it. Anywhere you can imagine on your smartphone, and although the tech sound, I'm I'm a martial arts instructor. I I I you know I bend people's arms backwards and stuff. I'm not a computer guy, so I, I, it's Google Drive is this very intuitive, easy to use um, um, technology that allows us to be able to do this. And I have friends that are doing this, and it is changing their business just because you know there's there's so many kind of psychic wounds about systems because sort of like when I would do it with my little notebook um, yeah. back 10 years ago. Well, the paper was out, or they forgot uh-huh. to, like, you know, fill out their, their checklist. Or I had to go into the business and pull the binder down, open up the binder and look through it. Or the VHS mm-hmm. tape is broken. What, what, mm-hmm. Why didn't someone tell me about that? Someone taped over it and put <laughs> friends on it. I mean, okay, so um, there were all these things that, we're, now it's like everything is compartmentalized and it's so easy to do. It's it's literally like you create the system. In my book, it's funny because it sounds like I have this fetish about bathrooms because, but in our business, people, are, you know, like we deal a lot with families. Mm-hmm. So I've literally had a mom walk into our school, not say a word to me, not even stop at the front desk, look mm-hmm. in our bathroom, come back out and then leave. Because the bathroom wasn't clean. <laughs> oh, wow. So it, it's literally like that's like the canary in the coal mine. And, yeah. and I remember doing this thing with my staff. And I tell this story. It's, it's kind of funny about training a teenage boy to clean a bathroom is like, first off, you hand them a, a toilet wand, and they look at it like it's, you know, some what? foreign yeah. object that they've never the seen. Microphone? The, right, exactly, it? right, yeah, <laughs> right. So um, I, I told these guys to clean this bathroom up, and it was – it was actually in that second room that I told you about. This was kind of the tipping point for me. Ah, so I went over to the second room, and I told the staff member, I, I said, Jimmy, um, the, um, we got a complaint about the bathroom. You didn't clean the bathroom, right? So I walk into the bathroom. He goes, yeah, I didn't clean the bathroom. And I look, and it's nasty. It's, I mean, it's just dust oh, is everywhere, and I won't even describe the other stuff. But then what happens is he like, says, yeah, I cleaned the bathroom. And he lifted up the toilet bowl, and there was the blue liquid in the toilet bowl. Oh no! But that was it. That was his conception of cleaning a to- uh, cleaning the bathroom. So, wash it in there, right? <laughs> so what it was was then I really thought about like how can I make this so self-explanatory that 
I can make it so that, you know, a teenage boy can clean a bathroom yeah. so that a mom would just be like, oh, this smells great. It's beautiful in here. It's super. <laughs> but I could also then do the same thing for someone doing inventory or payroll uh-huh. or doing any of the more complex tasks. And then, you know, as an outgrowth of this, I had a, f- a friend of mine in Portland who was just like, dude, you've got to get this into a book. And uh, that's really what I did about it. But it's, again, it's, it's sort of this nexus between, you know, theory and idea between, you know, okay, this is the context behind why you want to do this. But then it's also a conversation about business development for the small business owner. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, working, the, one of the most important things you do on a daily basis in your business is really what I call the magic hour. And the magic hour yeah. is the business development hour. And goodness mm-hmm. knows, I know we're all busy. I mean, but it, it's actually more important than like, you know, what technically is going on in your business that you really devote some time to creating those systems. Where it can, So the way I look at it is every magic hour that you do effectively, it frees up, I think, at least 10 minutes a month for you if you mm-hmm. do it the right way and you're really kind of getting down, this is how we greet a customer. This is how we you know, um, uh, handle this complaint. This is how we do all these things. Because, again, it's, we, I think you talked about it earlier with teaching. It was sort of like, you know, you're doing the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. I know as, as a small business owner, there's this constant, like, reteaching of systems. And I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's kind of like the death by a million paper cuts again. It's, it's doing those yeah. things over and over again, that you, uh, especially the things that you don't exactly like to do. So um, during your magic hour, you're, you're, you should be kind of creating these systems in advance, how you're going to handle this complaint. Because if it's happened once, I can guarantee you if you have any longevity in your business, it's going to happen again. So you need to have a system on how you're going to be handling that complaint or how you're going to be handling a compliment, for goodness sake. And there, there should be that conversation so that – and even if you are a, a very small business owner where you're just going to make a one- or two-person uh, shop, eventually you will have to be able to divide your time because there are only so many hours in the day that you can do something. And that's really the, why you have an employee is to really multiply your time. So um, the business development hour is really important, the magic hour, because, again, it get, that's how you seek freedom is that eventually you'll have these systems down so you, know, you can check in on them, but you're not having to actually you know, maintain them in terms of, of you know, reteaching and re-going over and, hey, did you do this? Or you can just see at a glance. And again, that's the cool part about the technology. And again, it's, it sounds complex. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really being able to, you can look at, if you can look at a spreadsheet from left to right, I can supervise my staff's Monday's work in literally like 25 to 35 seconds. Wow. Because I can just look left to right. I can see yes or no's. If I see any no's, I look at what the no's about. And then I say, hey, Ted, what's going on with the, uh, the inventory in the gray cabinet? Thanks. Mm-hmm. And then that's yeah. it. As opposed to wow. sitting there and trying to like, you know, chase down a notebook or chase down an employee or like feel like mm-hmm. I'm micromanaging them. It's really kind of managing from afar, but doing it in a way to where it's something that is really what you we should be doing as small business owners. And again, I think that's the liberation that people are looking for. Well, and you know, you you pointed it out in the example of the the cleaning the bathroom and that sort of thing. I think a lot of times as business owners, we assume that whenever we say say to someone that uh, clean, please clean the bathroom, it needs to be cleaned, but yet you don't put the system in place. We we get shocked whenever a week later the bathroom's in the same condition and and you know because somebody's waiting for us to tell them again that it's time to clean the bathroom. Right, right, the exactly. system wasn't put in. So if you put the system in place at the same time as you're rectifying the problem, then it becomes you manage the system rather than continually having to freak out because employees just don't care. They just don't know. And, and bottom line is you haven't communicated effectively what needs to be done and what the system is and formalized the. Um, you know the action part of it, and and when it's going to take place, and the frequency, and you know, and what the expectation is. So I think that definitely can alleviate some a lot of frustration on the business owners' part with their employees. You know, by giving those systems the empowerment to the employees to to manage them well, and carry and, them and out. I think too, it's it's this conversation. Some people say, well, I don't want my people to be robots, and you know, yeah. I mean, I'm in the service business, <laughs> but I don't want my people to be robots either. 
However, yeah. I, I do want to know what they're saying, and I do want to know yeah. that, like, there's a certain methodology. And sure. I think when you do create a system like this, that, or any system, then it gives you a baseline. Then you can go back to someone, because you're always improving the system. I'm always trying to improve our, our delivery of services to our families. So um, I'll say, Sherry, is there a better way that we can, like, improve the system about, you know, um, schedule changes or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then we can have it. Yeah, it's, it's easier when we announce it on Facebook or it's easier when we do an announcement in class or then, mm-hmm. oh, great, well, let's change the system. Sure. But I think, you know, getting back to that whole the training thing, and, again, I, I'm a coach. I mean, I, I'm a teacher. Yeah. I've, you know, they talk about 10,000 hours. I've taught probably 20,000 hours yeah. of, of martial <laughs> arts class. twice the professional, well, right? Well, <laughs> as far as a teacher goes, I, I don't know about yeah. business owner, but, um, you know, for me, it's, it's like I pride myself on being a, a, great, a, a great coach, and I, I'm always, you know, moving toward that idea of mastery and coaching, being, trying to be a master mm-hmm. coach. Um, but the, I actually do the same thing with my staff. It's like when I teach them to do a system, like when it's, you know, it, I have this methodology. It's, it's I do it, we do it, you do it, you teach me. Ah, so, okay. And if, if I can do that, it's, it's sort of like that telephone game, you know, when you played yes. when you were a kid and you would mm-hmm. get it around the circle and then it was like it was nothing like you actually thought nothing, it was. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> I think that methodology takes out, it's sort of like when someone paraphrases something to you, you, you help them to understand that or they help you sure. understand that. So I, I think that methodology, that's, that's part of the A. So create, mm-hmm. assign. When I assign the system, it's going to be like, okay, you know, um, Johnny, this is going to be your job to do introductory lessons. So this is the introductory lesson. I want you to take a look at it, and I want you to see me do it online. And part of that I, which is the neat part, the I part of training, I don't really do it. I've already done it, and it's on that form in Google Drive. So they watch me do it. Okay. So I'm out of that equation. Then I can say, okay, so let's do it together. You know, now you show me what, what, what we should be doing during this, the meet and greet. Okay, let's show me what to do when we're painting the picture about why our program is so special. Then I can have that conversation with them. Then once they have that, I can say, okay, you do it. Now, you teach Freddie over here what this is about. And when they do that, they're in – but see, it's not just for them. It's, it's also so that I know that they're enrolled in the process. Sure. I want them to have ownership of that task. Because I also, uh, you know, there's a great saying, I think like NLP talks about it, the map is not the territory. So mm. even though someone fills out a checklist, doesn't necessarily mean that they've done it. Right. And I think that the more you can do that up front when you assign a task to someone where you have that conversation with them around, you know, I, we, you, they teach, mm-hmm. I think that makes them more enrolled. It gets them to, to nod their head, not just, you know, physically but mentally like yes I, right. I've got this and this is mine this is mine it's not yours anymore it's not yours yeah. business owner it's mine I'm your employees because I think a lot of business owners do that they'll assign a task but yet they're still involved in it they yeah they then yes. again that's a paper cut so mm-hmm. you get a yeah. few millions of those and you're going to bleed out you're dead yeah <laughs> exactly excellent no those are great points and I love the methodology um, behind implementing the systems. And, and um, again, for those of you that are listening, this is, of course, just scratching the surface of all that's in the book. And if you go to Amazon and get the book, you can do a digital download on Amazon and get the book, Demythify, Finding Freedom in Your Small Business. And we'll put the link to that directly in the show notes so people can head over there to Amazon and get that. But, um, Corbett, before we go today, um, I wanted to give you the opportunity to promote anything going on with your business. It's just the least I can do for the amount of time you've spent sharing uh, your journey and your successes and your failures and that sort of thing with us. So what's going on at Miller's Martial Arts or anything else with your businesses that we can give you a chance to promote? Well, uh, you know, with me, it's like I'm shifting my focus. You know, my school is where it's going to be. I'm not, you know, I'll probably have, I just had another five-year lease, so I'm going to probably be there. Um, I've been in the same spot, the same place for the last uh, 18 years. I'm going to be there wow. for 23. So um, really my my why to think uh, talk about what Simon Sinek uh, speaks about in his books is really helping small business owners to find freedom in their, their businesses. And that's really what I want to help people to do. So, um, you know, I'm really kind of shifting gears and I'm really, you know, I'm working with a few um, small business owners right now, but I'm also, I've created this course. It's actually like a, a course that people who like the book, but actually want more of like a hands-on, like, you know, ah. um, video course on how to be able 
to create these systems that relate more uh-huh. through video, it's actually on my website, uh, okay. uh, demythify, de-mythify.com, front slash okay. tools. And it okay. has a link to the site on there. It has some uh, videos that you can kind of look at. But it's an hour-long course that really shows people how to be able to um, use the Google Drive as this really hub of, you know, and it would teach you how to be able to do screen captures. And, mm-hmm. and it really takes the sting out of any of the tech. And even if you're not – if you can use Microsoft Word, you can do what I'm doing. It's not – okay. again, I'm, I, I do arm locks for a living and, you know, I'm on my pajamas. <laughs> so I'm not – even though Microsoft is close to where we're at, it's, it's something that I think, you know um, – because, again, I think, you know, there's this, this double-edged sword about success that, like, you know, you can be successful and still not be a success. And, yeah. and that's defined by, by each person. I know for me, a lot of the success that I've enjoyed in the business – is really, you know, being able to get down these systems. And, but, again, taking it to another level. Because I think people, even if they do have systems, migrating them online is going to be something everyone's going to be doing in the next five years. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just so simple to do that I think mm-hmm. it can really transform a lot of businesses' lives. But I think it's, it's also, you know, neat because um, one of the, the business co- the conversations we have on uh, um, the course is, there's VIPs, which are very important processes. In other words, what are the core, um, core important things that you do in your business that you need mm-hmm. to make sure that have a great system around them? Then also your PIAs. PIAs are your pains in the arses uh-huh. that you want to try to, to delegate <laughs> because you just don't like right. doing those things. There's certain things you don't like to do. So, again, that's really what I'm trying to do is to help people via the course or via the book because I, 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 I love my life and I want people to be able to enjoy that from entrepreneurship and not mm-hmm. be a slave to their business. So finding freedom for other people is really, that's my why, and that's what I'm doing what I'm doing. Absolutely, and I think, you know, that that is very much hitting home with where so many entrepreneurs are, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, they, they need to step out of their business enough to to give themselves enough of a break to continue doing it over the long haul, or they need to put systems in place for growth, um, for scaling their business. I, I think it can help on a lot of different facets there. So we will link up to the Demythify website. Um, we'll also link up to your um, Miller's Martial Arts Academy website because we do have people that listen uh, in the Washington, uh, the Seattle at Washington area. And um, we'll also do a link to the book on Amazon for uh, people to just go right there and click cool. over to yeah. Amazon to get the book. So we'll we'll put all that in the show notes. And so any parting piece of wisdom you want to share with us before we go today? No, Chrissy, thanks. I just really appreciate it. You know, for me, being a coach, I think – you know, business development is it's it's like anything. I, I, there's a book that I love. It's called The Talent Code, and one of the things mm. in in the book is that talent is practice, and practice is talent, and that includes martial arts and business development. So you yeah. need to to practice it, and you need to get those magic hours in. And if you do that, there is a magic about it because when you start to do that, the business starts to transform. And I think that's Absolutely. what your listeners could really use. That's the the big takeaway. Absolutely. Well, Corbett, I can't thank you enough for all the, boy, the wisdom that has just been, you know, just been shared over the last hour is just something that people probably need to uh, get out their Evernote and start taking notes on and trying to figure out uh, where they need to begin because there's just a lot that you can take away from uh, what you've done and how you've grown your business and the systems you've put in place. You know, know, I'm I'm not a a guru. I'm not a sage. I'm I'm still a, a young cat, I think, a little bit in the business world. So if anyone uh, has any feedback or any thoughts, uh, I mean, please, you know, um, Corbett at demythify, de-mythify.com, please send me uh, any feedback because I'd love to, to hear it because I think uh, it's something that I want to improve uh, what I'm doing so that I can really be able to reach perfect. people and help them out as best best I can. So. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. If they can, uh, you know, if, if you can get feedback from the, the customers and the users to know what else they need, I know there are <laughs> uh, resources for you to create those uh, additional products awesome. and that sort of thing. So I love that. So we'll put links to all these places that we've mentioned on the web to find you, uh, as well as your Facebook page and that sort of thing. So um 
people will be able to go right to our show notes from the podcast and find you. So exactly. I appreciate, again, your time. I know you're a busy guy with all that you have going on, and it just means so much that you've actually taken the time out to share with us oh, today. It's a pleasure, Christy. Thank you so much. If you'd like to join our local community here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, the best way to do that is to follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter podcast. Now, every single day when we upload a new episode and we launch it, we'll have a little blurb there along with a link to it, along with some great discussions about local business and things that are going on in local areas all over the country that can affect your business and other businesses in the local community. So follow us on Facebook. We'd love to have you join our community. I wanted to let you know of one other way you can support us here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. If you are an iTunes listener, we are like every other podcast out there, always chasing those elusive iTunes reviews. We know it's not easy to leave them. We know it's a cumbersome task to have to log in and launch it and then go in and find us and leave the review. And I just want to let you know that we certainly appreciate any review and we would love it if you could do us a favor. If you like what we're doing, even if you just like a particular episode because you like that business owner or you like that interview or it was particularly relevant to you, hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means more than you know because, like I say, every podcaster is chasing those illustrious iTunes reviews, and we know they're hard to get because it's such a time-consuming thing for you to leave them. But it only takes a couple of minutes out of your time, and it means so much to us. So if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. We'd love to have it. Thanks so much for your support. If you are a Twitter user, and we know many of you are, we love Twitter ourselves, we would love to have you follow Follow us on Twitter. You can find us at BAM, B-A-M, Reporter. It's at B-A-M, Reporter. So hop on over to Twitter, follow us, and you'll get all the updates every time we launch a new episode. And when anything comes out that the local business community needs to be aware of, we will tweet that out and you'll have access to that. So follow us on Twitter at B-A-M, Reporter. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local.